Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, welcome to the program. It's July 30. It's a Thursday. And um, I was just, (laughs) you'll think I'm nuts. I have this question in my head, and I think it's the kind of thing if I Google it, even Google would say, what the? You know, I I was thinking about breathing and how we breathe and how, you know, if you're focusing on it, I mean, it starts with your, your nose. Air comes in through your nose, ideally. Mouth breathing is not good. So I was thinking, though, what initiates the breath? Is it the lungs themselves are just sacs sort of hanging there. They're like little balloons hanging there, so they can't start it. The nose itself, as it like, that can't, how, do you know what I'm trying to say here? The nose is just a pipeline. So where is, and then I thought maybe is the initiation of a breath come from our the diaphragm that 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 muscle below our lungs sort of whatever it does contracting or somehow opening up that those balloons and then air rut i just i don't know i got hung up on something as basic as how do i breathe <laughs> what are the and here's another question i had and so when I take that breath, it's a little bit stuffy today. When I take that breath and that oxygen goes into my lungs, and then when I exhale and I exhale the stuff my body didn't want, the carbon dioxide, the waste product, right? Is that the carbon dioxide from that very breath or are you pulling out do you know what I'm, I am all of a sudden just so, here's what happens when you start meditating more. Because the most meditation, you're, you're, you're focusing on your breath. And so if you really are meditating and just sort of focusing on this action of your body that you never pay any attention to unless you can't breathe. Um, and you start trying to figure out what the hell is happening in there. <laughs> what? How does that work? I'm just saying. So that I was daydreaming uh, about that when the show started. What happens is I sit here with my phone up to my ear, and I heard uh, I hear a beep, which tells me I'm on. Um, I don't hear the intro if there is one. I don't hear it, so I just hear this beep, and um, the beep, so, you know, just uh, pulled me out of this. Uh, this daydream is more of a daydream. It's just this sort of like, what? So anyway, I'll return to it at some later date because I think it's been really bugging me. Now, I mean, I can look at a biology book, but somehow, I don't know. You know, when when you really try to understand how things function, how they work, and you get into the scientific realm, it is so... 
amazing. It really is. It is just so amazing. And I'm the person who really wasn't that good at science, but I am constantly blown away when I can even vaguely comprehend what's going on in science. Because all science is doing is trying to explain this world that we live in. I mean, if you think about the fact that we make our way through this world in such ignorance, I mean, some of us more than others, believe me. I mean, in terms of not knowing how you yourself even function, let alone uh, getting in a car and driving it and not having a clue how it works, really. Oh, I know you put gas in, and then the gas, what? Then what happens? I mean, I'm serious. There are some of us who are really extraordinarily, it's not stupid, it's ignorant. We do not have the knowledge, yet we make our way through the world. But if you ever really want to sort of understand things, man, that's going down some deep, deep holes. Something as simple as, wait a minute, what is an, where is the initiation of that breath I just took? And man, you can be gone for days at a time. I have a caller. Maybe they know. Hello? Good morning, Lynn. Hi. Good morning, Lynn. Hey, Lynn. Yeah, I just um, I'm really getting into this meditation. I've been trying to get into it for years. <laughs> yeah. I just purchased something yesterday or two days ago. And I just started using it for the last two days. It's a thing called Muse, M-U-S-E, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it measures your brain waves, measures your heartbeat, and it tells you and it synchronizes the sound. So when you become you start to get into into focus in the meditation, it makes like bird like noises, and it measures everything too. It measures all your all your how long you how long you meditated, and it gives you rewards to tell you how good you're meditating. Now wait a minute. Point so this is wait, wait, wait. So this is a gizmo, a physical thing that you buy, yes. and, and then you apply. How does it connect with you? You put it. It clips you're, onto on your, your phone. Your phone and it attaches and it, it, it attaches to your brain waves. It's a metal piece of a metal a metal band that goes across your head. Okay, that's what I want to know. So it attaches, you, okay, attaches, so it attaches to your to your to your brain waves, and if you measure your heart rate and your breathing rate, and it and it does all these things in a in a, in a concentrated manner, so you can measure it. You know what? So then it it helps you to get onto the right path and make sure you're doing it right. Otherwise, how do you know how do well, you know what you're doing? See, I or, couldn't do what the, I wouldn't do what you're with that because okay. then I I mean I. I, I it's just because I'm di- I'm psychologically different because if I were measuring everything I was doing when I was trying to meditate, I would feel no. I, I understand what you're saying some you pressure. Would I would feel like, yeah. am I doing? I'm, and it would no, pull me exactly. away. You know, the very fact that I was yeah. being measured exactly. would no, pull no, me away from the what the idea it is. It doesn't do that, though, because it talks to you real gently. And it says, uh, don't become involved. Don't listen to this. Just relax, and we're just going to measure your breath. And it talks real slow, and it says yes. And then it just, and you'll hear this little rain in the background. 
And if it gets too, if it gets too stormy, Man. if you start getting too crazy, like agitated, the rain cries come come on. And when you get calm, you hear little birds. So I'd rather listen to rain coming down than birds, though, well, personally. Well, you can you can change you can oh you can the change sound. the sound playing with it. You can change the sign. You can make a line. You can do whatever you like. However you want to. It's to help you. Um, I learn like, how to I do it. Something to, I need something to. I need something to measure. I can. can like yeah. I have an exercise machine, and I have things that measures my heart, yeah. my heart rate, and measures yeah. my my calories. So I can at least have every day I can measure numbers. Like yeah, I, okay, see. I meditated this morning for five minutes, and it measured how many times I was calm, and how many minutes I was calm, and how many minutes I was neutral, and how many minutes I was agitated. And it'll measure that and give you points based on that how Jesus. your levels are. It's pretty cool, then. I, I love it. Okay. I, that's me. I'm, I'm glad it works for you. That would not work for me. That would not work. Sure, no for problem. Me. I understand. I yeah. understand. But at least you're on. You understand. It's critical. I mean, yeah. critical. And to and it's. And I'm just trying to get something to make me get into the. Well, good luck. To, good luck. Yeah, it is a. I find that if I usually, you know, every medit every time you meditate, it's different. Sometimes right. you, you can tell you're really doing it pretty well. Other times yes. you're distracted constantly. And I'm thinking, what yeah. is the use of this? But I have been told, I have been told that even those kinds of meditations are, it's okay. The whole idea with meditation is stop judging yourself. Really stop. Just keep trying. If your mind wanders away and you notice it's gone away, just pull it back gently. Don't say, oh, you stupid <laughs> Just bring it back and try to get back to your breath. And then in two seconds later, if you're wandering away again, you don't get mad at yourself. You say, come on. I mean, I have spent 20-minute meditations doing nothing but pulling my head back. Train the puppy dog. That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I dog. think He's even... Been- I've been told that even that you shouldn't look at it as you know like a bad <laughs> I know. meditation. No, it's, but that's what they're kind of saying. Yeah, measuring that's, things that's is, doesn't work for me because it, it makes it into a competition. Even if it's a self competition, I, I can't I do it. And that's that's good, Lynn. I'm, I, you kind of taught me that over the years too. And my wife, the competition's not good. I would always be the person. No, no, no. It's we got to go to battle. We got to go to battle. See who wins. And then it's, it's stupid. It's, it's yeah. Who's doing this? Yeah, you're both winners. We're doing all this. Yeah, you're right, right. Just a tad I think it's me. a I very think... listen. It's an innate thing, especially with men. You guys, uh, you know, are are born uh, innately. I think um, responding to uh, hierarchical stuff. You know, ranking. Yeah, right. Someone's exactly. in charge. Yeah. Someone's below yes. them. Someone's exactly. You right. know, and so you rank right. stuff all the time. We do. we do. My brother would always say true. things like, "All right, <laughs> who's got the biggest feet? Who's the, I mean, everything. There wasn't a thing. We have a measuring feet contest. We've got to, and I'm thinking, who cares? It's men. It's men. That's all we. It do. is. It is men. We have got to compete. See who's better and who's worse. Right now, and it's. <laughs> well, well, thanks for the call. I have heard of that thanks, thing, Lynn. but thank you. Good no luck. Problem. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Damn, I thought he was going to tell me if it was the diaphragm or my. Oh, maybe. Um, all right, whatever. Okay, so enough of that. Uh, the scariest. Sorry to get a little more dire here. Ay, ay, ay. 
so I looked on my Twitter this morning, and I don't follow him, but so many people do that then they retweet, and I might follow them. And so I see Trump's, not all of them, I see some of his tweets. He tweeted something this morning that when history books get written, could well be like, uh, it will be acknowledged that this, today, this morning, was the point when he actively said what he's thinking of doing. And here's the tweet. With universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good. With universal mail-in voting, 2020 will be the most, capital letters, the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. Now, at the end of that, he doesn't put a period. He puts three question marks. So he's not, he's, you know, in this regard, the guy is uh, really an ingenious operative. He didn't say delay the election and people can properly, securely, and safely vote. He said, no, no. He said, delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. So it pulls back, but there it is. Here is, if you want to know what's going on in this guy's head, he will be working tirelessly from now until election day to sow, I mean, the Russians couldn't do this in a mill. Well, they did by helping him get to where he is. But this, you want to know if he's working for the, the Russians. I mean, their whole thing is to sow doubt and cynicism in the very process of democracy. And so even if in that very, the biggest act that a democracy asks of its citizenry, which is to vote. So if you have a president who's actively telling, and we know easily a little more than 30% of the electorate taking it in and believing it, that the election the presidential election is going to be the most fraudulent election in history. That he, didn't, that he did not put a question mark after. That he has said. And he will repeat and repeat and repeat. There it is. Dangerous. Extraordinarily. If you, if you have any Pollyanna left in you, and there are folks who do, you better, uh, you know, you better disabuse yourself 
of thinking that these are not extremely dangerous times. And I ain't even talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about whether we will have a recognizable nation by the end of this year. If you have one of the candidates, and not just one, the incumbent president of the United States, declaring three months before the election that it will be fraudulent. Now, he did some of this in the last time he ran, right? Because he figured he was going to lose. And then he kept it up because Hillary got more votes, so he decided the three million more votes she got had to have been, uh, you know, illegal aliens voting. But this before the this election, this man is such a clear and present danger to the country. And if we had a functioning legislative body, since the failure to impeach him, he has done so many clearly impeachable things since then. You could try to get him today, but you can't because he has that firewall of Republicans, which is why we've got to throw every single one out. This has to be, yes, an election unlike any in our history, and not because it will be fraudulent, but because it will be a tsunami of re- I'm just saying he's already saying it. And it will be something we will hear over and over and over again. And, and, as if that ain't enough, I saw this little item. So we're going to have this universal mail-in voting election, pretty much. Not totally. There will be in-person as well, we think. Now, mail-in requires what? A mail service. So here is a teeny-weeny little item I saw in the Post-Gazette today. The United States Postal Service is considering closing post offices across the country. And this is before the election. Senator Joe Manchin said he has received numerous reports from post offices and colleagues about service cuts or looming closures in West Virginia and elsewhere. And so Manchin sent a letter to our postmaster general, a guy named Louis DeJoy, and asked for an explanation. 
He hasn't gotten one yet. But let's understand who Louis DeJoy is. He is a major donor to Donald Trump, who Trump put in this position of running the Postal Service. And clearly, his mission is to run it into the ground. DeJoy took control of the Postal Service last month. He immediately um, eliminated overtime for thousands of uh, postal workers. That, too, creates delays in mail deliveries. So, okay, if we do have this totally mucked up election, it will not be that it just happened due to incompetence. <laughs> Although there's, there's that, too. But it will be the willful actions of Trump's administration with the power to throw wrenches into the apparatus. If you're having a mail-in vote, a largely mail-in vote, and you put a guy in front of the Postal Service who wants Trump reelected, well, I think, yeah, you'd shut down post offices and stop overtime and slow everything down, lower morale, and create a situation where, of course, they can, if they want, scapegoat the Postal Service. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. And one other thing, <laughs> actually more than one other thing, these signs, these red flags are popping up left and right, okay? Uh, the other one is even as we learn that they have agreed to pull, supposedly, the federal uh, stormtroopers out of Portland, um, even as yesterday Trump said that he might call in the National Guard to Portland, uh, you know, one hand does this, the other hand does that, but he is going to be deploying these stormtroopers in Milwaukee, Detroit, and Cleveland. Why those cities? Why those cities? Last time I looked, Milwaukee wasn't having some kind of demos every day, burning things down or whatever, nor in Detroit or in Cleveland. Why are federal troops coming into those cities? Well, stop and think of the states that those cities are in. Those are all Trump's battleground states. Those are the states that helped him, minus PA, helped him win last time. Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio. So you got deployment of federal troops in battleground states and the threat of more. And you have the uh, evisceration 
and demoralization and closing of post offices. You have a president just right out there saying, you know, we should delay this election. Right? And if those things don't like get you, ah, <laughs> yeah, really get your ears to perk up. I don't know what will. I hate to be so, you know, I don't know. I'm not intending to, I'm just reporting facts, okay? Um, closer to home, something that is very upsetting is that as we speak, uh, employees at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette are voting whether or not to strike, walk out. Now, the last time there was a strike, is, I think, at a uh, newspaper here, that newspaper went down. That was the Pittsburgh Press. Um, this is because the uh, Mr. Block and Burris, the guys who have the paper, have decided that they've reached an impasse in contract negotiations with the union. And so they just unilaterally decided that they would uh, implement a new contract. If these reporters walk off, um, I don't know if we'll ever have a paper again. And I would not blame them for walking off, going on strike. What other leverage do they possibly have? I'm not sure when the votes get counted, but um, I think this is a few-day process. But uh, be aware if you didn't know that. And I have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. It's probably Jeff. Good morning. This is Father Joseph. How you doing? Hi, Father Joseph. I'm good. Hey, um, I uh, uh, two things. One, uh, in regard to the paper, when the press went down, isn't that when, um, didn't the city paper sort of fill the niche during that time? Isn't that when it really, I'm just, just trying to remember, is that, is that what happened? The city paper sort of rose um, during that uh, time. I don't know. You know, there were two, I, I'm bad at this kind of, uh, I never, uh, there were two alternatives, I think, then. There was, was there city paper and there was something called in Pittsburgh, which maybe became city paper. Um, hmm. But obviously, yes, when something like that happens, the, the alternative weeklies would, um, you know, and the strike was just against the press, right? You know, I, I don't so. remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, yeah. you know, almost 30 years ago. And I, I don't even remember what I did yesterday. So, I mean, this is whatever. I don't know. But, you know, there's no way that a, that a little uh, alternative weekly with, uh, you know, three or four reporters can, uh, can fill in a void created by uh, a daily newspaper staff. Sure. Walking sure, off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sad. 
Um, yeah. The other thing is that uh, I noticed the BBC and, and uh, another news service is reporting that uh, President Trump has floated the idea of postponing the election. Yep. Uh, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm thinking, you know, at this stage, I think most of our uh, the hopes of many are pinned on the election, and uh, and and for him to float that, I think it obviously he's he's feeling the heat that uh, things may not go his way, and so yeah, um, right. But this is, I think, you know, and to that extent, to that extent, I think uh, President uh, Vice President Biden has been prophetic. Because remember, he said that's right. uh, that that was going that was going to happen. That's right. Like, that's what he was worried about, and now here it comes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's finally he did it today. He threw that out there this morning, and um, we'll now never hear the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it'll just build and build and build, and they'll do everything they can to make it, you know, a a self fulfilling prophecy that the election will be untenable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? And, and, oh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if if he could help from from the Russians on this. So, I mean, oh, they, oh, yeah, right. And an assist from Vladimir Putin. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you remember, but when he was running, um, he said something. He made some comment about how politics was ugly and rough and beautiful. Uh, and he, he, he really enjoy he, he's a, he's a mud pit guy. He likes to get in there and, and if he can get you in there too, then he feels like he's in his element. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that, uh, uh, he's hoping to make the election something like that. A big sort of, uh, uh God, just uh, drag us down into the mud. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, he's, he's absolutely. done a heck of a job. In that regard, yeah, I I tip my hat to him in that regard. Well done, dear (laughs) Lord. Yeah. Well. Well, thank uh, you. So, I think people are going to be protesting. I I just I I shudder (laughs) to think if if in fact you know we we got protests now. Wait, wait, wait until they figure out that they're really going to try to to you know. God help us. But he'll have those federal troops in all the urban areas that voted for Biden, all those blue places. He'll have yeah. his federal troops. Yeah, yeah. Boy, Gee what a what a whiz. <laughs> you know, do you think you're a military guy? Do you mm-hmm. think the military could, um, in the end, save us? Well, you know, their, their responsibility is to the Constitution. And so that's that's the issue. And, and so it's certain, and so I think you know there. Yes, I, I think there will be the the challenge you have there is that if we have something like that happen, um, that oh, there there's so many fundamental challenges with that. Um, of course, you having you know you really you really it really comes down to I would think um, senior leaders um, being able to find a way to to advise the president this is not the appropriate use of force. That's the only way they can do that. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh, because you know, below that, you've got people trying to follow orders. Okay. And that's so, right. I know that sounds, it's a terrible thing to say, cause you know, I'm thinking of all sorts of things in history where people say, I'm just trying to follow orders. Yeah. But I was just following orders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yes. And so that's going to be really, I mean, I hope that the, you know, when you remember the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff yes. issued an apology. Yes, Millie did. After the fact, he realized he'd been a stooge and um, had, you know, had worked uh, Trump. But, you know, 
I don't understand why these people don't. Well, I guess they they never resign um, because I guess they think I'm better than whoever he's going to put in here next. You, and that I, I might be think, right. Well, there may be. I, I do think that um, there are um, there, there's a, there's a school of thought out there thinking that. Yes, I understand that it's been rough before, but if, if, he, if the president's asked me to serve, I'm going to do my best to serve, serve well, serve our nation well. And the best thing I can do is hang in there and do that. The problem with that is that um, when you are in an atmosphere that is um, uh, corrupt, <laughs> when you're in a yes. corrupt atmosphere, yes. Yes. it's hard to function like that. And sooner or later, you find yourself in the midst of, 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 of trying to defend that which is um, – is, is indefensible. And right. so that's the prop. That's the conundrum that there's the conundrum. And so that's when people, you know, you know, step down. Uh, one of the people that would, that when I was in the air force, really, really, we really admired was a uh, general Fogelman because I don't know if you remember, but it, it, uh, I think it was Cobar towers. There was a, uh, a bombing there and many service members died. And, and oh, this was where though, this was in, uh, it's in the Middle East. I don't remember where. Yeah, it was in the Middle East, right? And so the pressure was on him uh-huh. to find someone to blame, and he refused. He he would mm-hmm. not. He would. Not, he felt that the commander had done everything that the commander could at the time to protect to, to protect troops. He did what he was supposed to do, and so he would. He and so what he did was he said, you know, I'm out of step with the administration. I don't want to get in the way and, and, and cause, um, uh, you know, I, I should be able to serve in a way that will make sure that I'm in step with the the, the uh, with my civilian authorities. And so he stepped down. And was that under I was, Reagan? I think wasn't that under Reagan when all those troops were killed? In the uh, is that you is know that what that is? Now you're asking me. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, two adult old people here whose memories aren't working too well. <laughs> but but the point was the point was I will tell you that he was absolutely revered in the military uh-huh. for what he did for mm-hmm. stepping down and showing uh, you know that he he was a man of principle rather than yeah. do something he knew to be wrong. And what we need are folks like that. Uh, and, and, and to say, you know, this we've got to do everything in our power to to, to make sure the president understands this is wrong, and for people to stay say that, and 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 and, and I think there are those who now the president will say, ah, it's a deep state working against me. That's right, of course. Well, there's always an answer from him because he doesn't have to have facts to right. uh, you know to encumber him, so he just gets to make up anything he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he can mm-hmm. he can take down anybody, besmirch anybody's motivations. Uh, he can suggest yes, uh, conspiracies afoot uh, all over the place, and so many Americans just absolutely willing to believe. Yeah, so, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate. Hey, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for calling. Yes. Yes, well, it's always I, always good to hear your voice. It's good to hear yours. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Um, I want to let little Tony in here. He said, Lynn, after I heard that tweet from Trump, I was angry. When I thought about it, 
I couldn't help but think he just wanted to divert the discussion away from the news of the economy, of that GDP plunge. Apparently the worst, I don't know how they're framing it, it's like the worst uh, quarter ever in American history or something. I don't know, it's really, I saw some headlines that said, geez, he doesn't want that to be the topic of discussion. Well, I also saw somebody said that he can't bear the thought that uh, John Lewis's um, funeral might upstage him today. But who knows? It's not just a distraction because he is talking about subverting the next election uh, in which he is standing (laughs) as the incumbent candidate. Uh, That will be a so-called distraction that will never go away. I mean, he's thrown something out there that ain't going anywhere, like some of his other distractions. And Tony says there is no doubt he's been sowing the seeds of doubt about mail-in voting, but he does manipulate the news of the day, yes, and he's good at that. But you can't say what he said today and not have that stay out there um that you know god knows i mean he just vomits this crap you know on an hourly basis constant it's all he does i mean we we have essentially not had a functional president in any way he doesn't have, he won't listen to briefings he doesn't uh all he wants to do is watch television tweet and golf we know that about him and that's pretty much what he does. And, uh, you know, if you're enough of a news nerd and you look at what the White House puts out on a daily basis as the president's daily schedule, there's nothing on it. Day after day after day. Oh, there might be a, you know, some, uh, yeah, the, pre- the CEO of Goya is coming by to uh, lick my feet. Uh, You know, there might be something like that, but that's about it. And I do have one more scary tweet for you. (laughs) And this one is not from uh, Trump. This one is scary. And this is from uh, Scott Gottlieb. MD, I think he was he head of the CDC at one point. I think he was, if not head of the CDC, he was one of those. But he's a he was a big former uh, public health official, and he's noting what a lot of people are that America is going to be perhaps left behind um, as the rest of the globe, certainly Europe and much of Asia gets a handle and Australia gets a handle on the virus and reopens their economies and get and and gets moving. And they will look at us like a pariah nation, which we will be. But Gottlieb put it this way. And I think this is a absolutely pretty 
say if it's probable, but it's getting from possible to probable territory. He says, a grim possibility is we are going to see a global COVID decoupling where much of Europe and Asia is mostly able to keep the epidemic at bay, but the United States cannot and continues to see higher and persistent infection and slower GDP growth, which we saw today, the worst. And he says, and the possibility is, is that Europe and Asia and the rest of the global economy will essentially impose, and this is a French term, a cordon sanitaire. A, they'll put us in quarantine, the United States of America. Exactly, you know, Trump should be happy about that. That's what he wanted. National. Uh, America first, you know, screw everybody else. We don't need them. Well, it could be that everybody else is going to say, you know what? Fine, go away. We don't want you. You're a danger to us. And so other nations of the world will literally um, quarantine us. I have another caller. Caller, go ahead. It's Mike. Hey, Lana, it's Mike. Mike. Hi, hi. Um, I did call to talk about the mask thing and smiling behind it, um, but I also <laughs> the blue, the the rest of the world not welcoming us anymore. That our blue passport used yeah. to be so valuable, right? Yeah. People would pay for it, marry people, <laughs> they'd do anything for that blue passport. And now it can't even get me into Canada. So <laughs> how people think this is the best man on the planet, the president, is beyond me. Canada, yeah. who's like, A, and oh, you know, they're so laid back. They have as many guns as we do, but no shoot, they never shoot them. They're so laid back, we can't even go there. Or, or Mexico. So... Yeah. Even if the economy is not going to tank, which it's going to, obviously, um, our blue passport is pretty much useless. I just had mine renewed uh, last year because I was thinking I might have to skedaddle out of this place. But now yeah. my skedaddling is going to be very difficult. And I waited in a huge long line at that awkwardly shaped building to get my new passport because the you know that now they have e-verification or something they changed all of our passports and now they have to be special or no i might that was my driver no license. that's your voter id thing i mean your uh yeah. driver's license yeah driver's license anyway yeah. so i i called to talk about smiling behind the mask i'm interviewing realtors and um they're wearing masks when they're in my house of course and i'm smiling to the woman like trying to be <laughs> look like i give a crap what she's saying right and uh, i thought Oh, wait a second. I, I don't, don't have, have to, to smile. <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> and, and then when I'm at a store and I want to smile, like I see someone attractive or I um, want to thank someone with a smile for their for whatever they're doing for me. Before I'd smile, you know, hey, how are That's you? Right. Thank you. And now yeah, it's very odd. 
You know what I do? And I saw myself, I saw myself, I I did this, you know, yesterday. A guy, where was this? I can't even remember, but there was a man. Oh, it actually, he was walking toward me and he stepped off the sidewalk and I went on my way and it was getting pretty dark and he was a guy and he might have thought, you know, know, I'm a woman. I might think, oh, who is this and he stepped off the sidewalk, which I appreciated. And then as he, and I didn't know whether to try to acknowledge him or not. And I decided I would. And I turned to him. And um, and as I turned to him, he sort of did a tip his hat thing. He just oh, went like neat. this, nodded and tipped his hat, although he didn't really. And I, yeah did the same. I nodded. I nodded and tipped mine, which is the same kind of a thing, right? It's, um, I see you. Hi, how you doing? So maybe something like that. It's a sort of, you know, you stick your hand up to your forehead and you do a little bow. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to do that. Yeah, do that. We we have lost a main way of communicating with people Yeah, yeah. behind our nose and our mouth. And, you know, so. There it is. There it is. So you're moving. You're selling out. I think out. so. I yeah. think so. I'm trying. And I'm maybe coming back to Pittsburgh. So Woo! my fans can get excited. <laughs> no more Mike in D.C. What are we going to do? He was our favorite caller. Is Mike in Pittsburgh going to be a favorite caller? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Well, so that guy it. will be a jag off. <laughs> jag off. <laughs> oh, I have a T-shirt that says jag off. Yeah. And I wear it sometimes. And Nobody every knows time I wear it. No, no. Every time I wear it, someone says, where in Pittsburgh are you from? (laughs) Literally, every time I wear it. Sure. (laughs) All right. Well, good luck. You're up to, and thank you. Sure. Bye, 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 Mike. Um, Okay, I've got another caller, I think. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 You were talking about the economy earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping after all this settles down, who knows when, and hopefully when Biden wins, if he does, that he'll stress on more bringing back the jobs that we lost and get more back into, instead of service industries, more of making our own stuff again. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? Yeah, I mean, really, I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that's what Mm -hmm. changed the type of jobs that we had. Mm -hmm. Because I do think there's going to be restaurants and places like that are just they're not going to come back and it's sad but uh, no the, the world as we knew it change, yeah. is gone it's gone yeah so i think uh, that's the only good silver lining out of the whole thing is maybe we'll get back to making our own stuff not that yeah. we shouldn't trade but at least get back to that type of thing that help us who knows we're we're careening into a future we can't even Imagine. And hopefully they get a vaccine that's safe in the future. I don't know. Yeah. But, Let's hope. But if anybody thinks this is over and some people think it's going to end, they're nuts. They're just nuts. I mean, you can see that every day the states, 21 of them are in red zone. I mean, come on, people. Wake up. It just drives you. And, you know, another thing, did you see that? 
I didn't even watch much of it, but that Jim Jordan and that. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. I saw it. They remind me of little kids. Yes, exactly. Like, Bad the little hell? kids. I'm not wearing yeah. my mask. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's just what they are. They're yeah. they, they're men's. They're in men's suits or men's clothing, but they're little boys. That's right. That's what they are. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely okay, right. Have a good weekend. Hey, you too. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Um. Okay. What do I got here? Uh. Listen. Um. Ah, Father Joseph has been heard from again this time email trump might do a ross perot and decide he doesn't want the nomination if he sees the writing on the wall yeah i've been wondering about that too if he would just step a step down uh if not that then there is another option i wouldn't be surprised if he took himself out of the running even after initially accepting the nomination at the gop convention in order to Mm-hmm. Well, his ego, yeah, we're dealing with uh, talking, and the last caller was talking about, you know, they look like men, but they're they're children, bad, bad children. He is too. He's like a toddler. And he ain't going to want, you know, the idea of losing to him is uh, is something unbearable, I think, of humiliation. Um, so it, yeah, you know, the thing is, is anything, anything you can conjure that he'll say, I don't want the nomination or he'll still do the convention and get the nomination. Then he'll decide, you know what? I don't want to do this. You guys didn't deserve me. I don't like this to hell with it. Right. So all of that, yes, could, anything can happen. Um, if he knows he's heading for like the most extraordinary debacle of an election ever, uh, he might, you know, who knows? Or he might do what we fear is that he will somehow manufacture a crisis so the election will be postponed and or create the kind of uh, uh sense that it was fraudulent and have his uh, gun-toting uh, racists out in the streets um, and, you know, set off essentially a civil war. I you, you can't put anything past this guy, right? Father Joseph said, remember, he left Florida hanging on the convention, so why not the entire... Well, he doesn't care about anybody. He'd say, you know... He, cares about himself and that's a fact save myself he is as empty he is as empty a human being as there is I mean empty and even I an empath cannot conjure a scintilla of empathy for him. He is as awful a human being as I've ever been subjected to, albeit from a distance. And he's surrounded by a lot of others. Awful people. 
Mitch McConnell is an awful person. Stephen Miller is an awful person. Navarro is an awful person. I mean, these people around him are, it's like an evil cabal of, uh, of grifters, con artists, and uh, megalomaniacs. I don't know. I don't know if we survive this. You tell me. Uh, so Barack Obama will be delivering the eulogy at uh, John Lewis's funeral today. And uh, John Lewis has a piece in the, in the New York Times today which is uh, quite a feat if you're you're no longer with us, but there you are, you're with us. And apparently he wrote this in the last days of his life and asked the Times to print it um, on the day of his funeral. And I'm assuming a lot of you have read it, but I'm going to read it. This is for John Lewis. His last words, it is a voice so unlike my own because this is a guy who never, ever gave in to despair. To his dying day, and that is so clear in these last words he wrote. I'll try to give them their due. John Lewis wrote, while my time here has now come to an end, I want you to know that in the last days and hours of my life, you inspired me, filled me with hope about the next chapter of the great American story when you used your power to make a difference in our society. Millions of people motivated simply by human compassion laid down the burdens of division. Around the country and the world, you set aside race, class, age, language, and nationality to demand respect for human dignity. That is why I had to visit Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, though I was admitted to the hospital the following day. I just had to see and feel it for myself that after many years of silent witness, the truth is still marching on. Emmett Till was my George Floyd. He was my Rayshard Brooks, Sandra Bland, and Breonna Taylor. He was 14 when he was killed, and I was only 15 at the time. I will never, ever forget the moment when it became so clear that he could easily have been me. In those days, Fear constrained us like an imaginary prison and troubling thoughts of potential brutality committed for no understandable reason. Those were the bars. 
Though I was surrounded by two loving parents, plenty of brothers, sisters, and cousins, their love could not protect me from the unholy oppression waiting just outside that family circle. Unchecked, unrestrained violence and government-sanctioned terror had the power to turn a simple stroll to the store for some Skittles or an innocent morning jog down a lonesome country road into a nightmare. If we are to survive as one unified nation, we must discover what so readily takes root in our hearts that could rob Mother Emanuel Church in South Carolina of her brightest and best, shoot unwitting concert goers in Las Vegas, and choke to death the hopes and dreams of a gifted violinist like Elijah McLean. Like so many young people today, I was searching for a way out, or some might say a way in. And then I heard the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on an old radio. He was talking about the philosophy and discipline of nonviolence. He said, we are all complicit when we tolerate injustice. He said, it is not enough to say it will get better by and by. He said, each of us has a moral obligation to stand up, speak up, and speak out. When you see something that is not right, you must say something. You must do something. Democracy is not a state. It's an act. And each generation must do its part to help build what we called the beloved community, a nation and world society at peace with itself. Ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America by getting in what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. Voting and participating in the democratic process are key. The vote is the most powerful nonviolent change agent you have in a democratic society. You must use it because it is not guaranteed. You can lose it. You must also study and learn the lessons of history because humanity has been involved in this soul-wrenching existential struggle for a very long time. People on every continent have stood in your shoes, though decades and centuries before you. The truth does not change. And that is why the answers worked out long ago can help you find solutions to the challenges of our time. Continue to build union between movements stretching across the globe because we must put away our willingness to profit from the exploitation of others. Though I may not be here with you, I urge you, to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. In my life, I have done all I can 
to demonstrate that the way of peace, the way of love and nonviolence is the more excellent way. Now it is your turn to let freedom ring. When historians pick up their pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say that it was your generation who laid down the heavy burdens of hate at last and that peace finally triumphed over violence, aggression, and war. So I say to you, walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. Well, that's all I have. Be well. Be better. Be safe. I'll see you Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.